All right, let's let's begin. All right, let's go. <laughs> Hello and welcome to What's Identity up? Crisis with Pam and Tresana. Great, that's me. I'm Pam. I'm Tresana. Great. And this is a podcast where we discuss different facets of our identity and how it changes through time. I just think our intro is a little stiff. Then gonna make sh- a better one. No, it's no. I'm You're just gonna ad lib yeah. our intro. No, because when things are too stiff, you ad libs. Ad libs make everything better. Great. <laughs> all right whatever follow us on instagram at identity crisis pt and on twitter at ic underscore pam tresana okay this is episode eight episode and eight i wanted to call this calle ocho but none of our yeah. content is going to be related to calle ocho at all should we still call it that anyway? I think so. Okay. Because here's the thing. I grew up in Miami, of course. Right. And when people ask me where I'm from, I say Miami. Mm-hmm. And when they ask me, like, where in Miami, I used to not know what to say. So I would say, like, close to Cayocho, which is true. And because I didn't know the areas, like, it was when I was little. Um, but now <laughs> my dad calls that area La Sauecera. Which is Southwest area, La Sauecera. <laughs> okay. And I find that hilarious. But this is Cayocha. Welcome. <laughs> hey. All right. Let's get into it. Oh, well, no. First, I wanted to acknowledge something. We had a listener, you know, message in to us talking about how we talk about like non binary people and like gender as a whole. So I wanted to say personally that like, Gender is something that I'm like very much so thinking about lately. And I like, I appreciate that, like, you know, calling me in. I appreciate, you know, you guys calling us in on stuff that we might not be like, you know, we might be ignorant of or just like not know what we're saying. So I really appreciated that. I'm going to try my best to make sure that from now on, we just sort of refer to things on like a they them basis. So that way we're not attaching pronouns to stuff unless obviously we know someone's pronouns. But I think that was a really good note that like right. if you don't know somebody's pronouns, just use they them until they give them to you, you know? Right. But also that a lot of people use different pronouns. Yeah. So it's not they thems, it's non-binary or non-gender yeah. conforming. Because there are he, him, she, they. her, they, her, like the gender spectrum is vast. So yes. I think that was a great point. And I really just want to, you know, anybody, if we ever say anything. You can just message us and be like, hey, let me put you on some new shit because we might not know. Yeah. I mean, we're learning every day. I'm learning every day. Every (laughs) single day. Yeah. And I am determined not to be ignorant. Trust me, six years ago, Pam was (laughs) problematic. So problematic. Problematic. Yeah. I used to be one of those like, there's only two genders, people. Oof. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. But I was I was toxic. Yeah. And it was because I was I was literally repressing my own feelings. Yeah. And now I'm trying not to do that no more, man. Yeah. And words are important. Words mean things, actually. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing I, I didn't grasp when I was younger. Yeah. That words like actually they have meaning to them. Mean things. Especially in the English language. When you guys say like the stupidest things. That's an able slur. Okay. The English language is not the most intelligent of languages. <laughs> <laughs> Can you be ableist towards what reader listeners let us know? Can you be ableist towards a language? Because Pam doesn't think 
very highly of the English language. <laughs> There's nothing to think highly of. <laughs> the idioms you guys come up with, the bear shitting in the woods, the like Shit the hitting bees the fire. knees. Like, <laughs> I just I don't understand it. All right. So that I don't being think said, I will ever understand it. <laughs> that being said, let's move forward. Yes. All right. So today on the Calle Ocho episode. On the Calle Ocho episode. <laughs> Uh, we're going to be talking about mental health. Do do you want to talk? Do you want to give some back story as to why? Um, yeah, this week has been rough for no reason, really. It's just, you know, depression comes in waves and it presents itself in different forms. (laughs) And for me, it presents itself in so little motivation and so much laziness i don't get up you know in euphoria that's one (laughs) no i don't (laughs) that's one thing they portrayed really well it's like depression because there was this one scene where zendaya like wouldn't get up not even to pee and she like got a kidney infection and like i related to that hard because when i'm depressed i don't want to move not even to pee yeah. Not to feed myself, not for anything. Yeah. And to, this week was one of those weeks. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about it. Um, first off, I think we should just like try to because like obviously we could sit here and talk about it all day. Oh, yeah. Because we both had. But I felt I, I tried to structure it. I made the the, um, the outline. outline this week. I'm proud of myself. Um, have you been diagnosed with anything? When and what was that experience like? Or if you haven't been diagnosed, do you believe, based on your experiences, that you may live with an undiagnosed condition? I have never gotten diagnosed, but that's because I don't never visit people that can diagnose me for anything. <laughs> I don't believe in doctors. <laughs> Cancel me, I dare you. It's not it's not that you don't believe in them. You don't like them and you have disagreements with, with the institution yeah. of hospitals, which is valid. Yeah, I do. But yeah. I would eventually possibly go to a psychologist. No, psych. Psychologist, yeah. Psychiatrist. Well, a psychiatrist would be someone who could, like, give you pills and shit. Well, no, I just want to be diagnosed. Yeah, that would be a psychologist. So, no, I haven't gotten diagnosed for anything. Yeah. I do believe I have some sort of OCD-ness and then depression and anxiety in waves. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I can answer. I was diagnosed with ADHD at a young age. Um, and I know that in third grade, I started taking pills. I'm, pr- like, I'm pretty sure that's probably when I got diagnosed and I started getting t- put on pills. But it also like pretty much runs in my family, but none of my family members, or at least I don't think they've been diagnosed. So, but it showed up in me heavy <laughs> when I was a kid. So it was like, okay, she's got it. Yeah. Um, and then I um I was on vacation from then on through high school into college. Um, and that's the only things I was diagnosed with, but like I saw a lot of like I saw I had a psychiatrist psychologist and a psych psychiatrist, um, like through middle school. And so like no they never diagnosed me with bipolar disorder or anything like that. Or like that, but they did acknowledge that I like because of my ADHD, I'm prone to like extreme mood swings and stuff like that. So that's like I'm like I I do, I want to know more about it 
about like whether or not like there's some underlying because with ADHD like it comes with a lot of like other shit yeah that can I think it they can manifest as like like uh, what is it called mood disorders and like stuff like that so I've never been diagnosed with any of those like underlying things but like they could be there so and like I have I also like they don't like to diagnose children with those things right and I haven't been to someone who would diagnose me since I left so it's like since I left high school. So it's like, I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's that. Uh, the next question, what is your experience with depression slash anxiety? Ooh, that's a deep one. Um, I'm thinking through it. Like when I felt depressed kind of through my life. When was like the first time? I would say like, when we moved to the United States, like I remember having like, I feel like I have separation anxiety. Wait, when like, could you say like what age that was? Four. Four. Yeah. I remember just feeling a lot of hurt for leaving my family that I used to see like every day and then going from that to never seeing them and the possibility of never seeing them again. And what that did just in my head space even at that young of an age that was really rough and I remember every time I would cry or like I would feel any sort of emotions I'd just go back to like oh my god I miss this one person I miss this one person like if I had this one person I'd be fine um but then after that you know grew up and whatever I felt some sort of depression when we moved from Miami to Georgia and it was again like people like having to leave people and start over in a whole new environment that was a little rough and then once I got acclimated to that I didn't feel that deep of emotions until I went through my breakup that was rough oh that was weird I don't know I don't know if it's because I'm a cancer cancer Aquarius Gemini or the other way around I can't remember which one's my moon of my <laughs> cancer job. I don't know. I think cancer. You're Gemini, gonna, you know what? But you, every time you bring it up, you know more about it. So I feel like one day you will know. One day I will. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's that or because of having separation anxiety or blah, blah, blah. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Oh, being an o- older child. Like, I don't know what in my identity this comes in, but I would like to be in control of things. Yeah. And I like getting what I want. And when that doesn't happen, I react in very childlike ways, especially when I was like younger. Yeah. And I don't know. I didn't deal with my breakup too well. I went through a really bad phase. I like lost a lot of weight because I wouldn't eat. And, you know, once I got used to being single and everything was fine, the world didn't end. Uh, and I was in college and blah, blah, blah. You know, I felt I feel anxiety and depression like after like big nights of drinking and like fucking up in some way or another, or having somebody take care of me. I would go through like a day or two or even up to weeks where I just wouldn't want to be around people. And I just need my own space and just to forget that that even happened. Just the embarrassment, the anxiety, and then just having to deal with that. And then when my grandfather passed away, that was like the big fall. <laughs> Not the big fall, but you know, I 
didn't deal with that very well. Or I tried to deal with it as well as possible and then still going through school and like yeah, a and lot was, of the anxieties. That of, was like me and you's like early days. Yeah. 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 A lot of the anxieties of like being at this large institution with um, a large workload and very stressful environment plus like losing my grandfather it just didn't sit well and then like my friends were all leaving to italy and i couldn't go there was a lot that just incited incited the word i don't know that made me very depressed then there was like and i think i'm still kind of at the end of that yeah where i just wouldn't want to get up yeah but yeah I don't know if that was a cohesive no, I mean, story. Yeah, he told a story. It went through. Okay. I'm glad. Um, yeah, my so my experience with depression and anxiety. Um, the first the first time for sure that I experienced it that I can like think of. I mean, I'm sure it's happened before then. Like I'm positive it did, but there was this one night where I was watching TV and there was this like cartoon on and it was about this like crocodile or something. But the crocodile couldn't make any friends. Like, it just couldn't make friends with anybody. And it was like, my heart broke. And I was like this, I, I had to have been like early elementary school, like age. And I just like was so, like, so ridiculously sad for this fake thing. <laughs> and like, it crushed me. Like, I remember, I like can still think back to it. And like, I ran up the stairs, I crawled in my mom's bed and I just like cried. She was like, what are you crying about? And I was like, like not able to like communicate why I was so sad right but like it was just sort of like my life had just changed because it was like that that time of my life was like my parents were getting their divorce like we had just left northern Virginia and moved to Richmond like there was just a lot going on and I remember like it was probably had something to do with the fact that like I was now having to make new friends at this new school or something like that and like that's pretty much been my is like I have these really really intense emotions about like small things i was also you know also dealing with like my both of my parents stuff going on i was also dealing with like my sometimes like a lot of my mom's emotions as well and my mom was at like at some point when i was older was diagnosed with anxiety like i'm pretty sure like when you know when you're living that close with somebody you feel their feelings too so i think that i was also getting anxiety from her yeah and in these ways that i couldn't really like communicate the next like extreme emotional reaction i had was well, middle school is just a fucking mess. That was just like a clusterfuck of like, I hate my life and I want to die. I was like yeah. suicidal in middle school. Wow. Yeah. And I like went through a shortcutting thing, but then I just, I was like, oh, maybe this will help me release some of my, and I, just, I didn't like it. But it was because I was like online, you know, you read a lot about other people's like stuff and like how they're dealing with it and nobody was dealing with it well because they were children. And I picked it up and then I put it right back down. For some time, like I would sneak, like, what is it, vodka my mom had, mm -hmm. like before bed. Like I was just, just going through all of the different ways I could just like find an escape. Yeah, find an escape. But at like yeah. such a young age, and it wasn't like I was really doing anything. Like it was like I was, I was going through a time. It was really rough. Um, me and my mom had a really bad experience that then, like, after that, just spiraled even more. Because then, like, I all of a sudden I didn't. Like, not all of a sudden, but it was like at some points I was able to talk to my mom at least. And then after that happened, it was like, I'm shut off from her. Kids at school are bullying me. None of the fucking teachers do anything about it. Like, I had no one. I felt so fucking alone. 
Right. So that was like the darkest moments of my life. Um, my best friend at the time uh, had like a mystery condition, like doctors couldn't figure out what was going on with her or anything. So like me and her were really tight in sixth grade. And then she left school like and was like show would show up every once in a while. So it was like I didn't have my friend yeah. anymore. Um, and I was just alone, like the worst random bitches would be trying to fight me. And I'm not really like a fight person. I'm not. I think that I when I was like I was pushed to fight this one bitch and I did fight her, but like I just don't like to do it, you know. Like I'd rather use my voice to like we can talk things out, yeah. and I've always been that way. Like just talk to me. But I don't know. I just I had a lot of issues with people, um, and then something turned around later in high school. Uh, well, I came out. Um, I was dating girls, so then all I channeled all of my emotions into these relationships. Which then led led to me being really toxic. I was struggling with my gender identity, still am, and so like I was a really toxic masculine, and I think that I was like taking whatever was going on inside my head and ex- and just pushing it out in this like oh well, you know a very like lover boy persona. You know, I would write poetry and then I would like I was just toxic. I don't even want to get into that. Yeah, but, it happens. Yeah, and so um, I went through relationship after relationship after relationship i haven't been single really um and then i went into college and then i freshman year was the worst year of my life to this day um and i hated it i had a lot of people i basically like just i had like a bunch of toxic people around me i think and so that was like like having me turning on myself and like the way I was treated and all of that stuff. Like I just turned on myself completely. And like, I would say middle school really sucked because I felt like I was alone, but like freshman year sucked because I was alone. I didn't, I didn't care about myself. I would put myself in like horrible situations just because I was like, fuck it, let's see what happens. Kind of thing. Uh, And so I would say that that was definitely like the lowest of my like depression went. Um, And then after that year, I just started turning around sophomore year i would say i met a i met a girl or whatever I'm a woman first of all oh so you're a real feminist <laughs> <laughs> i remember i said that shit to you oh uh, yeah <laughs> but yeah no um i you know i met pam and like it wasn't but i don't want to because it was like i was coming around like sophomore year when i entered um no, your growth has been all you. I mean, yeah. you started therapy. You like we had our talks like days. Yeah. No, well. and I like and but I'm saying like sophomore year is when I like the beginning of that year was when I turned around. I was like, fuck this. I'm going to be independent. Mm-hmm. And I had a, I came in sophomore year having a toxic ass roommate situation, handled that shit by myself. Like I just I don't know. I turned my shit around. I started like taking a responsibility for myself and like treating myself better and like making sure that I like um, advocated for myself in a way that was actually like gonna help me because yeah. a lot of times i would just lash out emotionally um and so yeah i i was on the upswing sophomore year and I've, i'm still on the upswing i'm fucking crushing it yeah but yeah you really are i would say that other than that i go through like seasonal depression depression like especially being here in new york like the winters are just the fucking worst yeah and that's like something i like a lot of new yorkers just experience is just like because it's dark as fuck here for like what four months five months straight <laughs> It's awful. But yeah. Um, all right. Let's get into the next question. What, if at all, does your family think of mental health slash mental conditions? Yeah, I'm not sure. 
That's a really good question. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know if my parents really, my family really thinks of mental health. I know like me and one of my younger brothers, we talk about it from time to time. Because, I don't know, we've been going through a lot of family issues in the recent days, recent months. And every time we finish that conversation, I'm like, everybody in this family needs therapy. <laughs> yeah. Everybody in this house should really find a therapist. Uh, and one of my brothers agrees. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about that for a little bit. But otherwise, I don't know. I know my mom has thought of her. She tried to get into counseling, like church counseling um, with my dad. Uh, and I think he was just too busy. <laughs> and then I don't know. I don't really know what they think. Maybe, maybe I should talk to them about it, but we're just not a family that talks about that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, We should be. I mean, every family should be, be able to talk about mental health. I remember when my grandfather passed away, I like, didn't call my dad for a week and we would talk like every day. So it would be odd if I don't call him for even a day. And then when I called him like a week later, he was like, what's going on? Are you OK? Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I think that was probably the most honest I've been with him about one of those times. Um, and I was just like, yeah, I've just been really sad. I really haven't been able like I haven't been wanting to talk. And he was like, yeah, we're all sad. Like, we're all, <laughs> we're all dealing with this. Call us. Like, if you need to talk, if you, whatever. And I think that was probably the most I've ever talked about mental health with them. But I don't know. I've just gone through a lot of, like, I do have serious abandonment issues. Um, Just because I moved so much, like, in my childhood. Yeah. And other than that, just like a lot of swings of depression, just trying to like discover myself and like, you know, boys <laughs> and girls. And it's just been just, I need a therapist. Yes. Yes, you do. Yeah. There's a lot under that surface. Yes. I no, I didn't I didn't realize there was a lot you know, like you realized like okay, like yeah, and like me being a poet, I'm like, yeah, I'm deep. But like when you really scratch the surface of yourself, like with because the thing about having a therapist is like you're just talking about yourself to someone else. Like it's literally they're just a mirror for you to see yourself. And it's like I'm just like, ah shit. Cause I remember the first thing I talked to my therapist about was my like daddy issues, you know? I was like, Yeah, I just like and it was it was something I needed to figure out because I was like, I don't know. I just don't like my dad. I was like, I don't, and I don't want to like, I, he's my dad. Like, I want us to have a relationship. I want us to be able to talk. And like that led to then her being like, OK, well, what would like what would you say to your dad? What? It, and so it was like a whole thing about like, OK, my dad just he worked a lot when I was a kid. And I wish he was around more. I wish we had like a deeper connection than just me going over to his house. And like, he was OK. Yeah, have you told him that? And I was like no <laughs> what do you mean why would i talk to my dad what yeah. gross and i finally and it led to me finally having that conversation with him and like me and him were able to talk about it you know we yeah. were i was finally able to hear how he feels about things just to hear his side and like i think just for that i was like okay therapy's dope and it since then it's not like i go to her and i'd be like i need to now get through problem xyz in my life it, you know it's not like that it's just being able to talk to this person and like 
And she's been able to tell me like how good I'm grow, like how good my growth uh, journey is. And like giving me like that validation, like, okay, yes, I actually am working on myself. Like I'm trying not to be, you know, this way anymore. Something, another thing I talked to her about with is like opening up, like, like changing the way that I react to things. Cause it was like, Mm -hmm. I was always reacting to what people were doing to me. And like, she was just like, you're a black woman at the time. I was a black woman. That's what I was identifying or whatever. He was like, you're always going, people are always going to be doing things to you because of that. And like, oh my God, I haven't even said this. Having a black therapist for black people, mwah, mwah, best fucking thing you do for yourself. Because I'm able to like, ha- I don't have to talk to her about this, like, or like explain to her like my identity in this way because she already understands it. Finding the right therapist is very important. I did try therapy when we first started and like we were going through our issues. You started at that school we're not going to talk about, right? Well, okay. No, because they're... Mm, no, I know it's... Notoriously bad. I know, but it was free. Fair. I, and I, therefore, I, I count it. <laughs> um, I went because... I was struggling in this relationship and I was struggling because my grandfather just passed away and I was struggling because classwork just kind of felt overwhelming. And it would, so there was a lot of things going on that like pushed me to go. Yeah. I think you were definitely like, if you don't go, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> not like that, but kind of like that. <laughs> like go to therapy, God damn it. Yeah. You definitely pushed me and I was like, well, it's free. I really have no excuse to not do it. So I'm going to just do it. <laughs> But so I remember it being helpful, but it was mostly helpful in like classwork stuff, which would make sense being at an institution. Yeah. I remember having like issues with one professor and the counselor, therapist, whatever they're considered. She was like, do you maybe think this would be because of some prejudice? And I was like, you're telling me that bitch is racist. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> and it like put everything into some like perspective. Yeah. You're just like, oh, 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 it's not me. She's just fucking racist. Yeah. It was. I think that was probably the best. Yeah. No, it's great when you're like, because I, I also had a school. We're not going to be named counselor. And like, yeah, she was able to tell me when I was like, OK, yeah, no, this is just the institution sucking. And it's like, oh, Great. Awesome. Thanks. I'm so glad that the institution that's making me feel so terribly is gives me this free therapist that I can talk to. Yeah. For a for a couple weeks. And then she is like, hey, you can't come in here anymore. Oh, yeah. It's very uh, temporary. (laughs) Very temporary. They make it clear. Yeah. We should move on. You're right. All right. Sorry. No, it's cool. So I can I answer the question? Yes, please. So my family, um, my dad, like, was always very like oh like i don't think you need to be taking medication and blah 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 blah. like he's very like all that shit's fake and then one time i went over to his house and i didn't have my medication and i ate all his food and i was bouncing all over his walls and then he was like please never come here again without your medication (laughs) oh my god i can vouch for that (laughs) it is such a big difference yeah well the medication turns me into a fucking zombie child yeah. Um. And they were like upping my dose every fucking time I went to a doctor. They would up my shit. So like, I was on a high dose by the time I was leaving middle school. So yeah. Uh, it was a huge fucking difference. Huge <laughs> difference. Um. So that's how my dad felt. My mom was very much so like she was just like like when I got diagnosed, she was very much so like, hey, this isn't 
And my, both of my parents, they're like, this isn't something that like makes you any less. You're very intelligent. You're very smart. Like you, you speak well for yourself. Like you're, you're not any less because of this thing. So it wasn't like I was like, oh my God, my ADHD is like ruining my life or anything like that. Um, I never felt bad about having it. However, it was also that um, both of my parents are doing this sort of double speak where they were like, your ADHD isn't like, isn't a problem. But then they were like, you cannot be without your medication. And so it was like, uh, and so that led to me just feeling like very like back and forth with myself of like, I really don't like these pills and how they make me feel. But also like, if I don't take these pills, like my whole life is going to fall apart. and Nobody's going to accept me. That kind of thing. Right. But also me being like, I don't mind having ADHD. Like I just didn't, all of these things were like coexisting together. Um, and then my mom, like my mom would go to meet my therapist and like, cause I had like child therapists and shit, like div uh, divorce, like therapy for children and all that shit. So I was like, I was never, we were never an anti, like get a therapist stuff, but it was just, my parents didn't prescribe to it. I think at some point my dad, like some point when maybe while I was in high school, my dad was like, yeah, I went and saw an anger management therapist. And I was like, oh, how did it go? My God, are you fixed now? <laughs> <laughs> my dad has anger management issues. <laughs> And so I was like, oh, my God, are you going to, like, stop screaming at people? It was great. Um, and then my with my mom, she told me recently, like, when I went back home, that she was going to get a grief, like, therapist that was going to help her. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's just like both of my parents got therapist Gross. therapy for the things that traumatized me as a yeah. child. So it was great. I was like, yes, thank you. Finally. Yeah. Um, and it was lit. That is really nice to hear. Yeah. No, it's, like, great when you're, like, because then it's like it validates, okay, so like this is something that you were struggling with and definitely took out on me as a child because you didn't know any better. Like, I'm not blaming my parents. My parents are great. But I'm just saying it's like for your parents to be getting like growing with you, it's just dope. Because I, I look back and I can proudly say parents that I had when I was a child, not the people that exist today, we've all grown, become better people. Yeah. And we continue to grow. And like that's dope as shit. So that answers that question. I wish like mental health was as big as of a thing as physical health is like if it were more normalized to like check up with a therapist every year the same way like you're you supposed to go to the doctor every year. Yeah no I definitely wish that it, like it was covered because it's such a huge like it's your brain and like your identity and like who you are like why wouldn't your mental fucking health be as important as your physical health like you yeah. know and the, the thing people always say is that, like if your leg was well. broken. It was people saying, like, if your leg is broken and like, like, would you be like, no, I'm not going to a doctor. I'm just going to let it heal. Like, no, like you go to the doctor, you fix it because that's what the doctor does. They fix the thing. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But I guess not in this society. And it's really just this country. I Because overseas, they have better health system and like all of their shit just like. And it's not that it's perfect, but they just have they, their emphasis is more, more on, on like health the quality of life. Yeah. Like they have like a better idea of what quality of life is supposed to be here in this country. It's like work until you die. Grind. Hustle. Don't stop. Don't let nothing stop you. Make it to the top. Kill them all. You know? Yeah. It's very like intense. Absolutely. And that mentality really like hurts a lot of people mentally. Yeah. Just because I, I know like the school that we went to and like architecture school in particular, like it was so demanding and there's Europe has siestas like that should be normalized here yeah it's a nice nap time like working from home has been wonderful because I get to set my own schedule yeah and I get the work done when I need to get the work done but coming into an office 
from like Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., which is when regular people do, is so like mindless. Yeah. Like you're just going in like a robot every day. You're eating lunch at the same time every day. And sometimes you don't have as much work as you do other days. And then so you're just sitting there trying to make up work so that you can justify being there eight hours a day. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. And school, like students, like elementary school, middle school, high school, like being in a school for seven hours a day. Yeah. Well, taking it, it, all of this in. It just teaches that's what the school system's for. It's to teach you that, hey, this is the time that you're going to give up to your overlord every day, work for the man, whatever, man. I just think that doesn't work. It doesn't. Of course it doesn't. I don't remember half the shit I fucking was supposed to learn in public school. I don't fucking know that shit. Yeah. And only until like somebody says it and then I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Whoa, I remember somebody said that once. I did learn what a membrane on a cell was one yeah. day. Mitochondria, nigga. Yeah. Fuck out of here. I don't know. Yeah. None of it works. This is really bad. This is really bad. This country sucks. Anyways, we got to move on. Okay. Go All on. right. Listener questions. Listener questions. Listener questions. Send us your questions or stories to identity quite identity crisis pt at gmail.com. All right. So the first question, what are your favorite foods? Top three. I love food. That's one thing. Like when I was going through depression, like in high school after my breakup, I didn't eat. But now when I go through depression, I eat so much. (laughs) I eat everything we just bought like (laughs) we did a costco haul oh my god costco haul (laughs) we bought this giant box of ice cream it's like it's like 43 pieces 56 60 pieces 60 yeah so it's 60 pieces and it's like drumsticks cookie crunch vanilla bars and ice cream sandwiches. sandwiches like who do we think we are it barely fits in our freezer it's amazing all right so top three foods i'll go yeah, I eat everything. You will think of three right now. Okay. For me, um, steak and potatoes, favorite meal. Boom, right there. Or like a or like beef roast, like a roast beef situation with potatoes. Because mm-hmm. the, then you gotta get the gravy on it and like in a bowl, mm-hmm. have it all coalesce together. Eat that shit with a spoon. Ugh, perfect. Then two would be chocolate cake with ice cream. Mm-hmm. Same situation. Chocolate cake in the bottom. We get it. Ice cream on the top, let it coalesce, especially if it's warm. Coalesce? Yes, coalesce. You got to get it together. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And then it starts to melt on top. Eat that shit with a spoon. Perfect. And then Takis is number three. Okay. I really love Takis. I recently like rediscovered my love for them because I think I had them in high school or some shit. Mm -hmm. But because everybody was eating hot chips then. Um, And like I liked them or whatever, but I just like didn't get them often. But now, oh my God, I just picked up two new bags today. I'm so excited because it's like chili and lime. So it's like, it has that like, Takis are lit. It has that like sour note at the end. You're like, ooh, you know, that's so, oh my God. The citrus. The citrus, like, bing, right off the end. Lime goes on everything. I mean, yeah. I, that's not my culture, to go lime on things. My mom looks at me crazy. Now, when she sees me like using the lime, she's like, what you putting that on? I'm like, everything. <laughs> um there you go so the thing with food is that i've always like changed my answers because my favorite foods are bolivian foods 
dope. But I'd always have to like translate it or like explain what it is or remember the name of it. And it's like so oh God, exhausting. But my real favorite food. Okay, go. Ají de lengua. And I'm not going to translate it for you guys. Is that tongue? Yeah. Word. It's so good. Pero ají de lengua. It's like a whole meat. Yeah. It is the best thing ever. Tight. I love it. I mean, but ají de whatever that is Bolivian. Ají de pollo, the ají that I made you. No, I made you fricase. Yes, it doesn't matter. Um, salteñas are also amazing. Salteñas? They're like four. I don't know. Under Thai, it's not under Takis. That's not true. I don't care where it is for you. I'm telling you where it is for me. No, but salteñas are lit. Salteñas are lit. I'm just going to make me some one day. I'm manifesting it. One day. Uh, and pad thai has to go up there yeah you fucking love pad thai dude. i love pad thai no when you were going through your like depression when like after your grandfather and stuff you found pad thai and that's just been steady since then your love yeah. for pad thai well because when i uh, first got with you i used to order a lot less food and then i got with you and i was like i don't really have to cook like not everybody cooks the way i used to cook yeah so you influenced me into ordering a lot more food and therefore I would order pad thai constantly. All right, All right whatever. It doesn't let's matter. Move forward. So we got a letter in um from one of my one of my old friends. So I wanted to read this one. It says, Hi. I really love listening to your podcast. It puts the world in perspective for me and makes it so much more bearable. It's one of my favorite things to listen to lately. Oh, thank you so thank much. You. That's so sweet. I might cry about this later. I mean, I'm. It's fine. I've already cried about it twice. All right. So, um, so yeah. Shout out to you for listening. Good, good. Um, so I'm currently struggling with my intersecting identity as a Muslim woman and a bisexual, and I'm trying to balance and navigate that. I've always known I was bisexual, but I just recently decided to act on those feelings rather than repress them forever. I would love to get some advice on how to even start to navigate the dating scene. I don't even know how to start, especially since I'm hijabi and most people would just assume I'm straight because of it. I appreciate your stories and candid conversations. All the best. And we've been not saying people's names, so I'm going to continue that. Word. Word. Dale. All right. I'll go. Um, so Dale. I can talk about because I recently discovered that I was not so, I don't know. <laughs> not so lesbian. Not so lesbian as I thought I was. So I'm coming at it from the opposite direction, but hopefully this will help. Um, I recently discovered that, okay, maybe I am attracted to men and how that worked for me is I went to this nudist event and I saw Dick for the first time. Like, anyways, I was like, maybe it's not that bad. You know, this is something that I've been avoiding my whole life. And like, I never experienced because I just like, you know, I was really messing with women. I really like women and like women and people like that sort of thing. I was into it. And then from there, once I like had that experience from there, I just started noticing the beauty and like men masculine people in general so then like i also another question i had was like i was like okay well i find trans men attractive like that was like a dialogue i had with myself i was like i find trans men attractive so can i be a lesbian and that was like a question that like broke my mind i was like smoking weed one night and i broke my own brain yeah but this is this question Anyways, is no, more no, no, no. all right so then about navigating the dating scene and oh my then God. well intersection one thing you have well one thing you have to know is that it's going to be really hard to date women online. It is really hard to date it's women. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, it can happen. It can, but it's like, but a, it's like a magical moment when it does. All right. 
you don't really help. So it's my turn. What? <laughs> so I can 100% relate to this, this whole thing, just the intersectionality and the straight appearances. I also look very straight, just as who I am. And the way I started looking more approachable by women is <laughs> I have a pride lanyard that I always have hanging out of my pocket just so that bitches know (laughs) (laughs) that I also fuck with them. Uh, Men still try to fuck with me, but still. Oh my God, dude. Like Mm -hmm. you wouldn't believe every time we're walking down the street, she gets catcalled or or just stared at. That's not the point. You're right. I'm sorry. So dating women is very difficult because they are very, um, What's the word? Fickle. Is fickle word? Flaky. Flaky. They're super flaky. Like even if you do good on dating apps and you do match with a woman, which is already very difficult to match with women. Oh my gosh. It's like with men, I think all men just swipe right on Everybody. everything. Women like will read your bio. They will analyze your photos. Maybe put you even in a group chat. Maybe even put like go into your Instagram and like find out who you really are. Yep. Until they swipe right or left. There's so much work. I don't know how y'all do it. Uh, so you'll talk to a woman forever, and then you'll make plans to do something, and then they'll cancel the plans, and then they'll make other plans, and then they'll cancel those, and then you're like, okay, well, this is never gonna work. Uh, and that'll happen like 15 times before yep. you find a date. <laughs> yup. Every single That's the only way it works. It's so weird. I don't get it. Uh, so uh, the best way to date women or dating as a bisexual, dating both men and women is through mutual friends. Yup. It's the best way. And that's why all like fems who love fems, usually it, there's a web. Like the whole like L word web is so, so real, real because like everybody ends up fucking each other. Because like you have to, you ha- like it's like a, an exclusive club. You gotta be in the club. Yeah, you gotta know somebody who knows somebody. So if you're just now acting on your bisexuality, I would say hang out with your your gay friends, and you'll eventually get introduced to somebody you could hook up with. Also, or, if you're in a small town, or like, or it doesn't matter if you're in a town. Go in to general, the gay bars. Go to the gay bars and shit. Or like like a lot of bars and shit now, they're doing like virtual things. I know there's like some pretty gay like Zoom like disco situations. Mm-hmm. I found out about twi- on Twitter, like hang out at those, get to know people. Twitter is a good place. I follow every pretty girl because I'm like, I want like better stuff on my feed. Seriously, it's something. No, but it's something people do. Not for dating purposes. I'm not saying for dating purposes, but it's like you literally you'll be in the comment section and you'll literally see people like, oh, my God, you're so pretty. I'm going to follow you. Okay, so the intersectionality conversation. Um, obviously, it's different intersections, so I can't 100% relate to that. But I do come from a very traditional uh, household and culture. So Shout out to the Catholics. So I will say it is very difficult. And I didn't deal with it until I fell in love with a woman. And I would advise anybody to do the same. <laughs> What? Is that fair? I mean, if you don't want to, if you want to come out as bi, like, I think that's wonderful and that's great. But it depends on your family. And I know my family well enough to know that, like, they weren't going to believe me. And it wasn't going to do anything except drive a wedge between us until I fell in love with a woman. 
went and then when I did come out and had fallen in love with a woman, it still drove the wedge and it still was difficult. And I still like there there are times when I regret it. But yeah, I would advise anybody to just wait till they fall in love with a woman. I don't think like suppress your identity. I think act on it. And if you want to come out to your family, I think that's totally fair. And if you have supportive family members, I think that's wonderful. It just wasn't realistic to me. That's fair. So if anybody like from a traditional household, like I would say, wait. Yeah. But that's based on my experience. Yeah. So we hope that we answered your question. Hopefully. Hopefully. Just, you know, just be Hang out with, with the, the gays. gays. You, ha- you want to be seen at the gay, at the LGBTQ community. Yeah. And I would say, like, even though I wouldn't come out to your family, like, straight away, if you do end up dating a man, which is obviously very viable, make sure that they know that you are bisexual and part of the LGBTQ community. Yeah. And make sure they're also, you know, more aware and woke. One thing that one reason why for me coming out was important because I wanted to be like, like, you can't say that homophobic shit around me anymore. Like, I wanted that to be known. Like, I'm not going to let you, you know, and like, unfortunately, people have to know someone gay or I I use all of those words like to me. I use interchange. Yeah, I use them interchangeably. But, you know, you have to know somebody in the community to then care about the community at all. And like. That's not fair. Like, I don't think that's fair, but it's also like, I really, because my family, they would just say passing shit. Like, I remember all through high school, they would just say like little small shit, like, oh, yeah, like I'm fine fine with gay people, but don't bring that gay shit around me, like stuff like that. And it was like, okay, but like, I'm, I, so you don't want me to bring that over. Like, what does it mean? Like, all of that. So, like, when I, for me coming out was just sort of like, I'm drawing a line, you know, that's my boundary because I'm part of this thing and you're not going to shit talk me. Um, and so I think that like, I think that you'll know yourself, don't be pressured. Like, don't let anybody pressure you. You'll know when it's your time to do it. Um, and until then, just, just know that, you you know, the femme folk are flaky, you know, truly flaky. Yeah. So I really, (laughs) I mean, I'm lucky I, I knew Chaisana and like we we had some sort of relationship before. Cause we also, we are not, thank, thank the Lord. We are not connected to our school's women loving women, uh, femme loving femme web. You know? We are not. We're not there. <laughs> Thank God. You won't see my name. I avoided all that shit. Because they, like, if there was a case of, like, uh, what's the kissing disease? That shit would have went, like, fucking, fl- no, not stab. Oh, you're right. Meso- um, <laughs> no. Mesopilio. <laughs> mono, mono. It's mono. <laughs> Mesopilio. <laughs> Uh, let's move on i saw your mouth making leave me alone alone. let's move on all right should we do one more question or should we move on or should we move on last question it's fine all right what's the biggest challenge versus biggest reward of being in a long-term relationship slash what do you love the most about each other Aw, well, I love that you almost said mesophilioma. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> I can go. All right. So Yay. I think the biggest challenge was get like because me and you are very different people. Yeah. Um. And so in the beginning, it, we t- we said before we were toxic, and it was that all of that toxicity was just coming from our personalities clashing like fucking shit. But like 
every time we would clash i don't know i still liked you it was like i still want to be around this person like i don't want to like it would be like okay because all my friends they would be like like right, if it. you don't like it like i'd be like mm, she just gets on my nerves and they'd be like okay well then just don't be with her and i was like no I'm like, what? like why would you say that they're like break up with her like stop seeing her and i'm just like why would you say that like yeah. it was like it was so crazy and so it was like we were just clashing all the time because of our personalities i and, remember like, the first fight like the very first fight the next morning i like thing? no after that but that same fight yeah when i called you over and i was like let's have a conversation about this and we apologized to each other for everything we had done. You were like, wow, nobody's ever done that for him like <laughs> before. Because like, well, they hadn't. Nobody's apologized. No. That's crazy. No, it was like literally just like, I, I mean, a lot of times because I, I'm very like emotionally like combustive person, very passionate. Yeah. I was just always in the wrong because I would like, I would lash out because I felt like wronged. And then it would just be like, well you're being emotionally abusive and blah 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 blah, and it was always just on me and it was like but what about like what you did like yeah. and it was like it never got resolved ever and so the first so when you were like let's just talk i was like <gasps> conversation <laughs> about wrongdoing what communication accountability <laughs> what so yeah i would say that that's the the biggest reward in being in a long-term relationship um is growth with another person like i get to see how you've grown and it makes me really like proud to like be you know in your life in that way and then like also looking at myself i'm like oh shit i've also been in a go because like one thing people who were socialized as women well like they're we're taught to to like take care of our partners and really bring them up and all of that stuff and it's it's supposed to be one-sided and you're just supposed to do it and all of that so it's like I'm, i mean i do take pride in like knowing that like my partner's doing well but also knowing that i'm also like becoming better and i'm also like being my best me like that's like the biggest reward for me yeah i think it's dope as fuck yeah i think the biggest reward is like the partnership like yeah. it's literally a 50 50 partnership where we're both putting in work towards the relationship and work just in general and living cohabitating and talk about your feelings go ahead get mushy i don't like it i don't like talking you. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, what's the biggest challenge and what's the biggest reward the biggest challenge is when you don't put the caps on things <laughs> <laughs> i get really fucking annoyed <laughs> you really have like an what is it abrasion no aversion. Uh, aversion of putting caps on things and putting things back where they go after you use them it's getting better i i've loved being able to see it get better still hate it when it happens that's the biggest challenge for me. <laughs> All right. So I didn't know we were doing that. I would say my biggest challenge um, is when you don't hold my butt when I want you to. And you get really like, mm, like, you're not going to let me hold your butt. And like, I just don't appreciate that. So if we're going to talk about it, let's talk about it. Like, Our challenges what's good? are very different. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hold your butt more. Okay. <laughs> the biggest reward is that I get to hold your butt. <laughs> <laughs> no i think the biggest reward is like having someone i'm so comfortable with it's the partnership but it's also just being so comfortable with another human being and like we don't have to be doing anything or like i don't know you know actively pursuing something in order to be like comfortable and happy yeah 
like we could literally just sit here doing nothing and be happy. That's actually when we're the happiest. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I think that's wonderful. And then there was another part to the question. Uh, um, What do you love the most about each other? We already talked about that. Yeah. yeah, Let me tell you what I love the most about each other. Not a piece of meat. (laughs) Uh, I love your cooking. I really love food. Therefore, I really love when you cook. Um, I also really love how supportive you are and how encouraging you are. When I'm coming out of a funk or just a regular day, you always want me to be my best self. And I think that's very, I love it. Yeah. All right. You're lit. What do you love the most about me? What do I love the most? All right. What do I love the most about? Um, I really love the way you use the English language. It's my favorite thing. I have a list going in Google Docs of just all of the funny phrases you'll say because they're just my favorite. Like, I love them so much. And when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling blue, I look at that list of words and I'm like, wow, I love this woman. (laughs) And also your boots and your butt. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I don't know. I love your sense of humor because you're like fucking weird. Like... (laughs) You just, <laughs> I really do like it. You're, you're just one of the funniest people. And it's like, you're not, you don't try to be funny. I really love it. You keep me smiling. And like, you're also a really kind and really giving person. And then like, you're just you. I like it. I like you too. Yeah. My manly Pammy. Current events. Let's move on. Oh, right. Let's, we have let's move on. Yes, section. we do. Let's move on to current so events. Sorry. There's really only two things I want to talk about. One, I want to get this out of the way. Already uh, being no, Megan Oh. <laughs> I said I want to get this out of the way. I'm going to talk about that for a while. Um, No. So this morning, I woke up to news that the NYPD was harassing um, a Warriors in the Garden organizer, D-Rec, for six hours with 30 plus police officers there, the K-9 unit. They had signal jammers and no warrant. And then they only left after the community came together and rallied. uh, Oh, they only came. They only left. After the community came together and rallied for them to finally leave. And they left. But they a bunch of bitches. All right. And they didn't have shit. They didn't have shit. And that's illegal as fuck. They were really like, because I, I was watching, they had a live stream going. Um, luckily, like D-Rec had a, had a live stream going from him inside his place. So it was like, we were literally seeing him in real time there. And the police are yelling through his door. Like, we, like they were just like, come out. We just want to talk. We just want to talk to you. Can you just come out so we can talk? And he's like on a phone with a lawyer. There's the group, the live is going at some point. They were pretty sure that they had a drone like looking at him through his window. Like it was just it was so crazy. What were they trying to find? They were just trying to they were trying to arrest him because of oh, the the charge that they had said or whatever was that he uh, assaulted an officer during a um, counter protest of a black of a, um, a blue lives rat lives matter blue lives matter rally. And what actually happened? Nothing. <laughs> He was at he was at a counter protest for a Blue Lives Matter rally and he was there and he was leading it. That's it. The thing is, is that the, if he, they had actually believed they actually had evidence that he had done something like that, they could have gotten a warrant. They, no, they would have had probable cause because that would be a felony. Right. And then they would have broken in. They had baton. They had um, what is it called? Battle Rams there. They had everything they needed to break in. They didn't. Why? Because they didn't have a warrant and they spent all morning trying to get one. And they couldn't get one. So it was like, but it was the the, the there reason- so many cops that like could have been doing other stuff, 
Exactly. And they were getting paid. And they wasted their morning just standing there. Yeah. That's really annoying. I really hate policemen. Yeah. So the NYPD is nothing but a gang. We see y'all. All all right. And fuck that shit. You know, the community came out. Fuck 12. Fuck 12. The community came out and they they were like, stop that shit. And there was a bunch of people out there. Yeah. That made them leave. So shout out to y'all. Um, they they still have another one of the protesters. Um, I'm, I haven't been able to check my messages in a minute. I don't know if they were able to get get uh, them out, but it's cra- it's crazy. Shit ain't sweet. So, sugar, honey, iced tea. <laughs> All right, and then next we're gonna completely change the tone because it's time for us to talk about the best thing that's happened this whole entire fucking summer. The best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. The I best love it thing so that's much. happened in 2020. The best thing that's happened in 2020. The saving of 2020. Of course, I'm talking about Cardi B and Megan The Stallion's WAP finally came out. It finally dropped. And like, oh my God, it's the best. Ugh. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It was the best. It yes. was so good. It was so good. Very enjoyable. <gasps> it was so good. Like, yes, wet ass pussy. Like, yes, yes. Macaroni in the pot. That's some wet ass pussy. You know what I'm talking about? That shit was amazing. I loved it. The fucking, the, the style, the style, the old, the 90s style came through. Whatever. You're trying to keep me quiet. You're trying to keep me down. Okay, fine. I wrote things here so I wouldn't do this. <clears throat> First, why the fuck was Kylie there? Why the fuck was she there? Why? I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Yeah. I they think- stopped the music for that bitch. Like for what? Crystal wrote something today that it was like. I think it's time we all understand that the Cardis and Megans don't feel the same way about the Kardashians than we do. <laughs> and it's true. Yeah. Um, they just, they fuck with them and we really don't fuck with them. I don't. I don't fuck with the, okay, the reason why I don't fuck with the Kardashians is because they're 100% so many reasons. just, a, they're a menstrual show, like taking black, black womanhood and reselling it in white bodies. Literally a modern day menstrual show. Fuck them. And so to have them in the video where it's all of those like women of color, well, because there's something about Rosalia being like just like a white appropriator and stuff like that. So I don't really know what that drama's about. Mm-mm, it's not my business. But all of those black women that I did recognize, and what where would there could have been more? Like, why did you stop the music for Kylie? The best thing was I saw that because they were able to stop the music like that, they just edited right out and it's going around on Twitter, a version without fucking kylie in the video and that's perfect that's honestly yes, amazing it's amazing because it, and it works seamlessly because they're just able to because they did stop the music which is why i think they did it maybe they'll put out their own video that doesn't have her in it i don't know but it worked anyways moving on the clean version is so funny the clean version yeah wet ass gushy no wet and gushy wet and gushy right you're right and also they block out dangly thing that dangly thing in the back of my throat they block out that why? That's on the not- radio on the radio edit oh yeah i don't see why because yeah i don't see what i mean when you really think about it there's no reason to but just when you hear it you're like oh that's nasty i mean the whole song the is whole like song is nasty. so nasty i love it i love it are we getting a remix with more rap girl verses i'm talking about flow millie I'm talking about city girls i'm talking about cupcake cupcake would give us a fire fucking bar a bar or two on that song I want all of the remixes. I want every single one. I just like, I want that for the rest of the summer. It would save the summer. I honestly think. And it's so good. And I don't want any niggas on the song. Don't put a single one on the song. I don't want to hear them. I don't care what they think about wet pussy. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. It's not about them. It's about us. 
people with people with pussies. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Wet ass pussies, to be exact. I fucking love that song. Ah! Uh, the <laughs> thing is, we watched Beyonce's um, yes, Blackest King. We did. We watched Beyonce's Blackest King before. Yes, and then the next night, I got to watch my queen Cardi B. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Drop everything. <laughs> so it was just a lot of black women magic. Oh my god, I love it so much consistently i really haven't stand like i i try not to get into standing and all of that stuff but like it's so hard with cardi and megan because they're literally perfect like i love them so much their personality we also we watched the live before yeah it's just they're so good i love them and i'm so happy that, oh my god this is the best thing that's happened oh my god. yeah i mean if one of them wants to pay for my student loans i'd love you even more but that's about it yeah no there was like one time cardi was talking about like money oh, like what yeah and i was like I just want to, I want Cardi B to do a collaboration with Karl Marx. Some Cardi Marx action. Yeah. Marxy B, you know what I'm saying? I just want my student loans paid. <laughs> That's all I want. Oh, baby. All right. I think we can, we can wrap up. <laughs> I, I stand out. No, that's all I wanted to say about it. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'll let's on that note. end this with something you want oh, to accomplish the following. Oh, right. Last week, I didn't do that thing I said I was going to do at all. Yeah, I did. What, what did you another Bolivian dish and oh, right. I did you did pique a lo macho okay so what is it this week for you what is it for you well okay so I want to do a bike I want to do a bike ride every day that's something but then I'm also I do want to finally do like Duolingo I just haven't opened that up okay well now you have you're stacking them up no I know I'm stacking them up <laughs> it's fine do so it. that's me um I want to get up before 10 a.m that's gonna okay. be my goal that's I think that's doable. I think we can work that out. Yeah, and this week has been really bad. So next week... I'm gonna get on it. Jump on it. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Grit, grit. Yeah, that's the end of the episode. You know what I'm saying? You made it to the back. Made it to the end of the episode all the way. That little line that goes across the bar that tells you when the episode's in. It's about to end. You know what I'm saying? Grit. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Grit, grit. Oh, grit. <laughs> Stay tuned for next week's. Yeah, all right. Peace. Bye.